Life Happens with Ayanda Ali Payne. Life Happens with Ayanda Ali Payne. Weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. As a tribute to a friend of hers who had passed away from an AIDS-related infection. And she also wrote it for all those who had lost loved ones as a result of the epidemic. Yep, today's throwback goes to the 30th of May back in 2006, where the uh, incident of uh, HIV infections appeared to have stabilized. And this was for the very first time in 25 years of AIDS. And the world had been making progress it seemed against the disease which brought about better access to drugs and uh, the growth in the awareness of the epidemic Uh, but the United Nations agency warned that uh, there was still much bigger problems to deal with in this regard and uh, in coordinating the fight against the disease so that that we could not rest quite yet and I'd uh, go as far as to say we still can't rest and fast forward to today a new study released by the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and even Evaluation estimated that 5.3 million South Africans under the age of 50 are HIV positive. That's a 5% point increase from 2000. And uh, while a lot of people took to social media to uh, sort of lament these stats and these figures, others came out and said, wait, hang on, hang on. This is good news because it's a good sign. It means that those who are infected with HIV are in fact living longer, that our response to the virus is, the, is, is what's leading to high numbers of people living with HIV because there are less deaths, less mortality rates, right? The mortality rates are decreasing. So we discussed this further with the Executive Director of the Social Aspects of Public Health Research Program at the Human Science Research Council. Uh, We're joined by Professor Kangelani Zuma, who's going to help us unpack uh, the stats and make sense of it all. He joins us after this break. Life Happens, weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. 14 after 2, it is Throwback Thursday. And today we throw back right until the 30th of May 2006, where the incidence of new HIV infections appeared to have stabilized for the very first time in 25 years of the virus. We're now talking about today, how are we faring? How have we done uh, since that day in 2006 when things seemed to have uh, been a little bit more orderly and under control? We're joined by Professor Kangelani. Zuma. Prof, how are we looking as South Africa? How do we fare when it comes to treating the virus? Uh, good afternoon, and, and good afternoon to your listeners, and uh, thank you for, for having us. Well, a, as a country, we I would say we're doing okay, but we're not doing great. Mm. So, because uh, as it stands, there are still, a, we will talk about the details of the numbers, but there are still a lot of people that are living with HIV who are not on treatment. And that's not good. But uh, we are doing fairly okay in terms of uh, reducing the HIV uh, epidemic as far as uh, the numbers of people that are getting infected on an annual basis. As we've already reflected, the numbers of people who are getting infected every year, they seem to be going down in the right direction, which is good. But we are not at a point whereby we can say we have in control, we're in control of the epidemic and we are at a point whereby we've eliminated new infections. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. We still have a long way to go unless if we up our game and do more. Yeah. 
yeah. than what we've been doing for, for so many years. Speaking of new infections, let's talk a little bit about uh, how the, the, the figures look because when it comes to young adolescent girls in sub-Saharan Africa, there are still um, issues that persist there. We're not quite winning the war. Uh, we're seeing you know, very disconcerting numbers in terms of new infections in that regard. What are we doing about this, not only as a country, but as a region? Okay. We are... Um, well, let me, let, I'm going to use an, uh, uh, an analogy of a bucket of water to try and understand where we are with the epidemic and what is that we're doing and leading to what. Yeah. If I use an analogy of a bucket of water, uh, which has got a tap that is throwing water in and a tap that is taking water out. Okay. Now, the tap that is throwing water in is people that are recently getting infected. And the tap that is throwing water out is it's, it's the number of people that are leaving us dying due to HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Now, what controls the numbers of people that are currently living with HIV as we speak today? And if I use, if I using the N, it's about how far we close the, the, the tap that throws people out okay. of the epidemic through to dying. We close that tap by putting people on ARVs. Mm-hmm. Now, if we close that tap, people are no longer dying of, 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 of HIV and AIDS. And we remain with the tap that keeps throwing people into but the air. we need end. to close that tap. We need to close that tap yeah. too. So to date, we are doing very well and not that great. We're doing well in putting people onto ARVs. And those statistics are showing that those that are on ARVs are living longer. Mm. And that is why the numbers are going up because people are living longer. But we only have just above uh, around 60% of people that are on ARVs currently instead of having a high number because mm. uh, currently the test and treat policies applied that everyone that is living with HIV must be on treatment. Mm -hmm. We need to put more people onto treatment because by putting people onto treatment, we're actually reducing the viral load and reducing the likelihood of transmitting the virus to the next person. And therefore, in a way, closing the tab that brings people into into this uh, bucket of water, if I could use that uh, analogy. So that is the current situation, and that is what um, uh, uh, determines where we are with the HIV epidemic. As we speak, the numbers are going down, the numbers of people that are getting recently infected with HIV. Okay. But the challenge is the following, that among young girls 15 to 24 mm. years of age, the HIV epidemic in terms of incidence has been going down. But all of a sudden, in fact, if we compare 2012 to 2017, as published by HSRC uh, report, we saw that uh, the HIV incidence among young girls went down by about 44%, which is great. Wonderful. But the challenges among young boys all of a sudden. For a long time, we've been having HIV prevalence among young boys 15 to 19 years very low. But all of a sudden, the prevalence is going out in, up. In fact, only among young boys were by from 2012 to 2014, we see an increase in incidence by 11%. So which means we're doing okay among young boys in terms of reducing the HIV epidemic as far as the incidence is concerned. We're not great, but we're doing okay because we bring it down. Mm. But all of a sudden now, the young boys are coming up. So the focus, mm. we need not only to focus on 
one particular group the girls, of the society, yeah. but everyone should be included in this, both young and old. I agree with that because there's there's the recent phenomenon of, and, and I hate this term because it seems like a contradiction, where you call someone a blesser, you know, who in essence is a sugar daddy of, of, of sorts, right? And there was a phenomenon of um, these older men who then um, have intercourse with the young girls, the, the age group you've mentioned, 15 to 25, who then transmit the disease to the girls. Once the girls stop being in these um, uh, relationships with the older people and they then want their peers and their age groups, they then carry the virus to those young boys. Is that accurate? That is uh, research from uh, uh, colleagues who are doing research in KZN Caprisa, for example, they have shown the you know how the epidemic is moving. Like you correctly pointed out, from older males to young girls, 15 to 24 years, And then from those young girls, because they also have sexual contact mm. with their with boys within their same age group, then they transmit the virus to them. Then as they grow, they grow and with uh, living with HIV because they're on treatment. They get married. Maybe they pass the virus on to a partner uh, who was HIV negative. However, you, you've just mentioned that uh, the blessers and the sugar daddies. I still don't know why we call them blessers because yeah. from where I come from, it's only God or Allah that can bless people. 100%. And uh, why do you call them sugar daddies? What is sugar about them? I still don't understand. Mm. So we should call it what it is. It's not sugar. It's not a blesser. It's something else that I don't know yeah. what it is. So that is how the epidemic is moving. But what we need to be looking at is how then do we protect young boys and, and young young girls from being infected with HIV. One of the ways is to make sure that uh, the young girls between the ages of 15 and 24, for example, and also young boys, specifically young girls, they need to know their HIV status. Yeah. Once they are found to be HIV positive, they need to be put on treatment. As we speak, only 34% of young girls who are living with HIV are actually on ARVs. Mm. And a big proportion of them don't even know that they are living with HIV. So that is where what we need to be to be addressing to put them on treatment so that they stay alive and reducing the chances of transmitting. And then those that are not infected with HIV, we need to make sure that they stay HIV negative. Yeah. Because again, it's not like a good thing to be saying once I have uh, I find that I'm HIV positive, it's okay because I'll get medication. That's mm. not where we want to go to. Mm. We need to make sure that they stay negative. But those that are already infected, we need to provide them with medication. SAFM explores issues in the news, politics, business, technology, and arts and culture with diverse perspectives and insights that will inform and challenge you. As always, we value your feedback. Don't hesitate to email us, feedback at safm.co.za. Join the conversation on global perspectives on the news of the day. SAFM, leading the conversation. Let's have the conversation at SAFM Radio on Twitter. All right, welcome back. 25 after 2. We're going to try and hurry this along because there's a voice message that has uh, come through on this topic. There's also a WhatsApp message. But very quickly, Prof, do we have HIV fatigue as a society? No, I don't think so. Uh, what we what we have is a problem that uh, we think HIV is there, but it's not our problem. If you look at the recent uh, articles that have been published, uh, uh, you know, 
there are statistics that uh, 5.3 million people mm. who are 15 to 49 years are living with HIV in South Africa. Now, there is another statistics that says uh, half a million people uh, in Johannesburg are living with HIV. Mm. In fact, if you look, it's that uh, that is the only statistics in a way that uh, got a lot of us awake to say we've got a problem with HIV. Why? Because now it is mentioned that it is just right here with us. At your doorstep. At yeah. your doorstep. Yeah. HIV, the problem of HIV, we have it in the country. We have it everywhere. It is right at our doorsteps. So that is the, 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 the issue that we have now that we think it is somewhere there. It's not mm. with us. While sexuality it is with us, we need no, to move away as researchers, and that's what we drive towards, to say let's get information that is very localized, mm -hmm. information that tells us what is the problem in our very close areas of our neighborhood so that we can understand. Because when we say 5.3 million people are living with HIV, where are they? We need to identify exactly and pinpoint wow. where they are so that we can put resources where they are needed. That is what we should be focusing on. Yeah. Let's get a, a number of views on the subject. There's a voice note that's come in. We'll listen in. Ayanda, how are you? I'm Nathan Ike from Nairosprite. To reduce HIV in South Africa, it's only one thing. It happened to me when I was still studying in Uganda. We were um, scoring in primary. HIV, it was too much. It reached 35% in Uganda when we are still in primary. But they educated each and every student about the contact, whatever, everything, how the HIV can be transmitted from one person to another, whatever, so many things. But after we, who were still in primary, we reached in secondary, the HIV declined up from 35, it went to 20 plus. Then at this time, the way I'm talking, it might be approximately 5% or 3% in Uganda. But it was too much. And it, another thing, the government of South Africa, they are supposed to expose each and everything. They are not supposed to hide. If they continue hiding, the people will be continuing being affected by AIDS. Thank you. I'm Nathan Ike from Nairosprite. Thanks so much, Nathan. For that, there's also a uh, WhatsApp message that says, My Honorable Doctor, would you agree with me if I humbly say that HIV AIDS uh, was only meant for us poor black people? The reason why I'm at liberty to say so is because at the hospitals, when a black person comes in with a case of jaundice, uh, then he or she will be tested for HIV AIDS. But funny enough, if a white person comes to hospitals with a case of jaundice, then he or she will be tested for hepatitis B or C. Why? Out of the 5.3 million positive, uh, but there's absolutely less than a percentage of white people who are HIV positive. Why? So maybe just touching on Nathan's voice message and um, the allegation that HIV is race-based. Okay. Th thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it, it's true what uh, Nathan uh, you, uh, is mentioning. Uganda has been, uh, you know, exemplar in dealing with HIV epidemic. And uh, he has touched on a very important point, which is education and education among children, for example. And that is, if you remember, that's one of mm. the issues that we're still grappling with uh, in uh, as a country. How much knowledge or education do we pass on to children as far as HIV AIDS is concerned? And you and I know that talking about HIV is talking about uh, sexual behavior, for example. 
And, you know, we, we can say whatever we say, but uh, young kids, statistics are showing, are engaged in sexual contact. And what we need to do as uh, adult and responsible adult is actually to educate them about uh, these issues and the problem, because otherwise we'll continue facing the same challenge. Now, coming to HIV being racially based, you know what? Uh, HIV is a, a disease like any other disease. It follows the movement of people where they go. That's where the disease moved to. But it knows no race. Uh, it does not matter your race. HIV is also a problem to you. Are we more promiscuous then as uh, black people? Uh, I have not looked at the research that talks about, uh, you know, whether in terms of behavior, black people behave differently uh, to other race group. But what I will say is that uh, it's what we do that determines our risk of being infected. Mm. It's not our, our, our race profile. And also the other issue is that uh, in our healthcare facilities, those are issues that uh, are related to stigma that we need to, to deal with as a person. Mm. Because the fact that a person is of a different race group, it does not mean that uh, that person uh, is not at risk of HIV infection. Prof, I'm going to ask you to stick around for at least five minutes longer. Let's take headlines. There's one or two uh, voice messages that are coming in. Let's perhaps wrap up this conversation shortly after the headlines. It's 29 minutes to three. Life Happens with Ayanda Ali Payne. Weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Wrapping up our throwback Thursday as we take a look at uh, the 30th of May in 2006 where uh, the incidence of new HIV infections appeared to have stabilized for the very first time in 25 years of AIDS. We're quickly just going to conclude this conversation but not before taking one or two more voice messages that came in in this regard. Let's quickly uh, listen in. Okay, punitive measures as well. You know, overseas where you knowingly infect somebody, they can sue you for damages. But here in South Africa, it's like, we do not care. I have this week been exposed to somebody's blood and honestly, I've been on these pills for one day, for a full day, and I've had it. But the person whose blood I, I contacted with couldn't care. She's just going on with her life and not even worried about the anxiety. Um, and even to say, okay, let's go get tested and all. So there is definitely that narcissism that exists. And maybe we need, if we even if we're not punishing the people, but let's preach on it. Like, why spread it? Take your pills. Wear a condom. Like, why have that thing? Or I got it. So what? And Josie and Kezalin. That's completely, completely just shameful it's it's horrible that somebody would knowingly and willingly spread hiv aids and i and i think i'm with you on that one i'm with you on that one there must be punitive measures there must be um repercussions for one's actions if they deliberately infect somebody um and i'm not so afraid with the case but i think there was something that was being looked into uh, with that regard attempted murder some might say uh, but when we go into that realm you know it becomes very tricky because people are saying then if we say it's a attempted murder are we saying that hiv is a death sentence you know so it's it's it's, it's very tricky but um I, I hope all goes well for you thank you so much for contributing strength to you and keep your head up try as much as you can just to stay um focused on what you would like to achieve and and i, I don't know i, I like the words prof yeah it's it, it would be sad if uh, at this uh, time we still have those those mm. behaviors uh, happening 
but uh, I'm sure there would be legal avenues that one could actually explore in those situations. But obviously, we know what happens. You will need to to really prove what 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 one is saying. But mm. I'm sure there would be legal avenues that mm-hmm. one can uh, pursue. Shall we take a quick call from Cape Town, Kalala? I think it is welcome. Thank you so much. What would you like to say? I younger in high proof. Uh, good afternoon. By listening, uh, good afternoon, Prof. By listening to some comments, Prof. I strongly believe that you 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 got a challenge, a job to do. Because I hear people trying to attribute you to the rest, people trying to attribute you to many things. But Prof, I would say I had a chance also to work in HIV campaign back in DRC in Congo. The message was clear, and that message really I don't hear in South Africa. The message is to tell people the truth that this disease kills. The disease kills. Yes, we can do everything. We can have some medication to keep people moving, but it kills. So that message, I don't feel it. So, Prof, I'll suggest, please give that message clearly. The disease kills so that people can, at least, like you said, that you close the tap of going out. Mm. But the tap, the tap of coming in is still open. Mm. But if we tell people the truth, as the disease is because South Africa and Congo, you know, South Africa got all the necessary, the medication are there available, not in Congo, but check the population that got HIV. The South Africa is too much, and they're dying more, because why? People get infected, they take it so lightly. Mm. Thank you. Kalala, thank you very much for your contribution. Shall we take a, a quick voice note before you answer Kalala's comment about DRC? Sure. Hello, Ms. Chaba. I am one of your listeners. Uh, I'm listening to your topic with the prof. Um, I'm also living in, uh, I'm also living uh, with uh, HIV and AIDS. It's been now uh, plus minus 15 years now. And I'm around 45 years old this year. It's true what you're saying, you and the prof there. There's a people who are in my age, who are trying, uh, I don't know whether it's a, a lack of education or uh, is that evil mentality. I'm not going to die alone. Uh, I have to spread these things, I suppose, even myself. I did get it somewhere. Some of the people still have that mind. If, for example, uh, there can be a sessions, I know there's a, a, a HIV groups, some of the people are learning there, uh, they know uh, if you're HIV positive, how to live a positive life. For example, myself, I'm living positive life. Uh, uh, and uh, what I'm trying to say, I also have a daughter of, um, uh, she was born in 2004, I think this year she is going to be 15. I'm also worried, but she she knows uh, her father is living with this, uh, with this status. But now what I'm trying to say is I'm very afraid each and every day uh, just was uh, that thing can go is like an uh, 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 evil dead or an evil old man. Yeah. 
Thank you very much for sharing your experience with us and I'm glad that you're living positively with it and that you know that you are the one who's in control of your health, you're taking your medication. What I love is that you're openly having conversations with your daughter. So you take away the stigma, uh, you take away its power by exposing it and hopefully teaching her also um, when the time comes for her to engage in intercourse to do so in a safe manner. So I think all is not lost, Prof. Yes, certainly. Yes, we we, that's the challenge that um, actually uh, a number of parents face these days because, uh, uh, you know, for example, some of the young ones were born, you know, HIV positive yeah. and on medication. Yeah. We need to educate or empower parents how to talk these uh, issues out or some young ones will be taking medication. They are not sure what yeah. uh, medication they take. We need to empower uh, parents how to deal with uh, with these situations. But I want to tackle the issue that uh, Karela mentioned earlier on. Uh, you know, we, we need to communicate. We need to continuously educate uh, uh, or convey messages about the dangers of uh, HIV and AIDS. And we cannot at all be complacent and say that uh, it, once we have HIV, you can take medication it's true you can take medication, but that's not the ultimate goal. Mm. The ultimate goal is that you stay negative. So we cannot be complacent. Uh, we really need to make sure that uh, those that are living with HIV, they are on medication. And those that are HIV negative, they stay negative by ensuring that we prevent HIV, we communicate about HIV prevention mm. uh, from all our, 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 our avenues available. Prof, we'll have to leave it there. Perhaps we'll have you in at another time where we can speak about a possible cure. I see Emmanuel from Whitbank asking us, you know, what we're doing as a country uh, in that regard. But that's a conversation for another day. We've thoroughly enjoyed having you with us. Thank you again for your time. You're most welcome. That was Professor Kangelani Zuma. He is the Executive Director of the Social Aspects of Public Health Research Program at the Human Science Research Council.